One of the next events on God's prophetic timeline is the Sixth Trumpet War or World War III. Well, how should a Christian prepare both spiritually and physically for such an event? Well, we'll discuss it on this edition of End of the Age. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. Now, uh, yeah, I I heard that you heard my tease there. Um, The Sixth Trumpet or World War III. I mean, uh, what and probably one of, if not the most ominous prophecies in Scripture. Uh, one-third of the world's population being destroyed. Uh, it's, all, it's unfathomable, really. I don't even really like to talk about it or even think about it. But it's in Scripture, and it's going to happen, and it's going to happen soon. So I wanted to talk about it today because of some things going on in the world, and we'll discuss those as we go along. But the Sixth Trumpet War, the Second Woe, It's found in Revelation 9, 13 through 16. And I'm going to read from the New King James Version. It says, Then the sixth angel sounded. I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound in the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for an hour, a day, a month, and a year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million, and I heard the number of them. So this prophecy really foretells the unthinkable. I mean, it portrays a war that will kill one-third of every person on the planet, one out of every three. And the scripture says it's going to begin in the Euphrates River area. And an army of 200 million men will participate in this war. As a result of this war, one-third of mankind will be killed. Now, you know, you're talking about um, 2.5 billion, 2.5, 2.6, with a B. There's never been anything like this on the earth so far. I mean, there are over... Um, there's what, between seven and a half and eight billion people on the earth today? One third of them, you know, you're approaching 2.6, 2.7 billion, really. And yes, we do call it World War III. I mean, there were 8.2 million people killed, just, just over 8 million people killed at World War I. Called it the Great War. Um, 52 million casualties in World War II. Totally unheard of, unthinkable at that point, 52 million. And over 2 billion will be killed in this upcoming war. 
Now, again, I don't even like to talk about it. But it is prophesied in Scripture. It's one of the next two events that will be fulfilled. So we're going to have to talk about it periodically. Now, of course, compared to World War II, that's over 40 times the amount killed in World War II. So probably, you know, casualty-wise, you know, back during the flood, everybody on earth but eight souls was taken. But they didn't have anywhere near the population of the earth that we have today. So casualty-wise, this is right up there with some of the most ominous prophecies in Scripture. Probably the most ominous would be that individuals at the great white throne of judgment will be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. That's the most ominous thing to me. Prophecy in Scripture. But this... You know, when you think about taking all of those lives, I mean, it's got to be right up there in the top one, two, or three. So, the sixth trumpet prophecy, I mean, it's, you know, obviously mind-boggling. And yet, prophecies never miss, everybody. The prophecies always come to pass. They always have. And just the very few amount that are left, they're going to come to pass just like the others. I mean, the Bible says that this war will begin from the area of the Euphrates River. The Euphrates begins in Turkey, flows down through Syria, continues all the way through Iraq. And it's the border, forms the border between Iraq and Iran about the last 60 miles before it flows into the Persian Gulf. Now... The conflicts really happening today on the earth. Yes, there are some things going on with China and in Korea and different things in Taiwan and, you know, things that could spark into a world war. But because of the, the, the way it's spelled out here, the Euphrates River region, loose the angels in the, in the Euphrates River. I watch that area very closely ever on a daily basis. I mean, four nations house that Euphrates River. And could this be the four angels? Of the Euphrates, the angel of Turkey, the angel of Syria, the angel of Iraq, and the angel of Iran. Remember, Daniel spoke of the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece. So it appears that nations had angels that were bound in them. And so it appears to make perfect sense. So the prophecy concerning the sixth trumpet continues on down through Revelation 9, 17 to 19. And it says, and thus I saw the horses. Now, I've had a lot of people ask me, <clears throat> can the coronavirus be World War III or the Six Trumpet War? I don't think it can. And because, just listen to this. Number one, the Bible says there's going to be a 200 million man army involved in this. But listen at verses 17 and 19. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Now, John 2,000 years ago is trying to describe this the best he can, right? Modern day warfare. He says, and I saw horses in the vision and those who sat upon them at breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. And by these plagues, a third of mankind will be killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. Now, 
with all the clues we have in the prophecy, it does not appear that that would be a, a the COVID-19 coronavirus and the vaccine and everything that goes with that. This is modern day warfare. You're talking about nuclear warfare. There's no way that you could um, kill one third of the world's population just with tanks and, and um, you know, grenades and things like that. You're talking about in a very short period of time, killing a third of the world's population. So it's going to be nuclear. It's one of the two nuclear wars that's prophesied in the very near future. And we'll talk about it quite a bit more when we get back the the, uh, effects of a nuclear war. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. We've seen Bible prophecy fulfilled like never before. From the halls of the United Nations to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, End Time Ministries continues to reveal the Bible prophecy in the news headlines around the world every day. Whether it's through our broadcast or online at our Jerusalem Prophecy College, your gifts enable us to put vital materials in the hands of those who need it most. Because of you, we continue to replace fear with faith in the hearts of Christians around the world. We will continue to see prophecy come to pass at an even swifter pace. We need your support. Your donation of any amount enables us to continue to broadcast and be a voice in the ever-growing censored media. To become a partner or give a one-time gift, visit endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME right now. That's 800-363-8463. Go online now. Visit endtime.com. So the Bible says that they will be killed by the fire, the smoke, and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. Now, when you think about a nuclear war, Cosmos Magazine, uh, there's a, tons of these articles, but Cosmos Magazine, they published an article, Wildfire Smoke Supports a Nuclear Winter Theory. Listen real close to this. I'm going to read a few excerpts. Sagan and a team of atmospheric, atmospheric scientists proposed that along with radiation and blast damage, a nuclear war would create enormous firestorms in cities struck by large bombs. These would be so intense that they would be they would inject smoke, not just into the lower atmosphere where it would eventually be removed by rainfall, but all the way into the stratosphere where it would linger for years, block sunlight, and plunge much of the world into an extended deadly cold snap. Now this is their theory. 
but they think because of some of the fires in, in different places that they can prove this. They go on to say even a relatively limited nuclear exchange, such as a war between India and Pakistan, could affect regions far removed from the combat. Following a war in which as few as a hundred of the smallest nuclear weapons are used in modern cities, urban firestorms would build for hours, producing millions of tons of black sooty smoke. Now remember the prophecy. And, uh, of course, this was uh, stated by Mike Mills, who's of the National Center for Atmospheric Research in the U.S. Studies have shown that such smoke would cause global temperatures to plummet, creating a risk of global famine. Now, I know this sounds horrible, but I'm just telling you how close this sounds to the prophecy. A critical aspect of the theory, however, was the prediction that the smoke particles once in the stratosphere, would settle back to the lower atmosphere, but would continue to rise higher. And that would occur, and Sagan's team predicted, because smoke particles would not only block sunlight, but absorb it. And he says it validates this, these smoke plumes where they study these massive fires that have been happening, that these, the smoke... Um, tests that they ran and different how high it went in the air what it done in a small area they said well hey a nuclear war it's going to be just a lot bit on a lot bigger scale and he said this really validates the nuclear winter theory and for the first time we can observe that plume is rising from these forest fires and things they've really been studying them and he says that it persisted for about eight months a, a smoke uh, fire that they studied before the smoke eventually dropped back into the lower atmosphere and was removed by the rain. Smoke plumes in the stratosphere, he said, can do more than block sunlight. He said they can also damage the ozone layer, exposing the Earth's surface to increased cancer-inducing um, ultraviolet radiation, something that might happen if climate change causes fires, um, like those that occurred in British Columbia to become substantially larger and more common. Now, he's going back and forth between a fire that he studied and the effects of a nuclear weapon where they would shoot fire and smoke, you know, way up into the air. So he says, but the most important finding, uh, a scientist you said, is that even though the amount of smoke produced by the British Columbia fires was a thousand to ten thousand times smaller than that uh, would be produced by, produced by a nuclear war. It was enough to confirm that the nuclear winter is indeed possible, and this validates the the nuclear winter study. Now, so think about that and what the prophecy said that by the reason of the sm- fire, smoke, and the brimstone was one third of the world killed. And then think about the after effects of nuclear weapons that are a lot more powerful than Hiroshima and Nagasaki, okay? Like a hundred times or maybe even a thousand times more powerful than that. So you can only, I mean, again, I don't even like to really even talk about this stuff, but it's a prophecy that's coming. It's one of the next two. So I thought we needed to talk about it. Now, I do not know what conflict in the world today will culminate in World War III. I, I cannot answer that. 
However, in light of the prophecy with the Euphrates River region and everything, you bring it all into play. There is one that we should definitely be watching very closely. And that's the geopolitical, dynamic, religious, all kinds. I mean, this this scenario going on between Iran, Israel, and the United States. We have to watch that. So, as a result, if you understand what really has been going on here, the Jewish News Syndicate reported that the United States and the UK have, they've got on board and said that the Iran, the Iran was behind the oil tanker attack. But, I, of course, Iran is denying the involvement. But the United States and the United Kingdom joined Israel uh, yesterday in blaming Iran for a fatal drone attack on an Israeli-managed oil tanker in the Arabian Sea, just south of Oman there, to the, I think it was to the west, that was on Thursday. The attack killed two crewmen, and uh, one British and one Romanian, and they said that we are confident that Iran conducted this attack, which killed two innocent people using a one-way explosive um, UAV, which is an unmanned aerial vehicle. It's a drone. And it was a, the, the lethal, uh, a lethal capability that it is increasingly employing throughout the region. That was said by our Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken. So this Japanese-owned vessel, which was named Mercer Street, was managed by uh, Zodiac Maritime, which is a London-based company owned by an Israeli tycoon, a Yell Offer. And it was sailing under a... Liberian flag, but Iran, uh, supposedly, Iran knew what was going on and sent a drone and bombed it. So with that said, now this is an ongoing scenario. They, Iran is starting to use drones to go in and bomb United States, Israeli things, Saudi Arabia, some different things around, um, and they're not going to put up with it forever, you understand. But I wanted to tie their nuclear aspirations in with everything because Iran is really trying to implement their version of Sharia law globally. And they see Israel and the United States standing in the way of that. And so why are they all the time saying, well, we're going to wipe them off the planet? Because they would like Europe, the uh, Asia... South America, Africa, I mean, all the regions of the world to be under Sharia law. And they're the number one state sponsor of terrorism in the world. Imagine them getting nuclear weapons. It would be unthinkable, right? Well, remember the prophecy. Because the Bible says it's housed in the Euphrates River. That's where the war is going to emanate from. Well, it's not going to be, in my mind, from what I've seen with the geopolitical situation in the Middle East, it's not going to be Turkey and Israel. Turkey, yes, they want to take over the Temple Mount and, the, and Jerusalem, and they believe they want to have another Ottoman Empire. It's not going to happen. That may they, they probably will come down against Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. However, it's not going to be Syria. It's not going to be Lebanon. Israel could wipe them off the planet tomorrow if they wanted to. Israel has close to 200 nuclear weapons. It's not going to be Iraq. 
And, but if you look at what's going on with Iran, with, with the allies of Russia and China, they're all, this could be the scenario. I'm just saying, I don't know that again. I'm speculating, but it's something we need to watch. Uh, I always go back to Abramowitz's article, Ken Abramowitz. He wrote this unbelievably wonderful article in the Jewish News. It was either in Israel Hayam or Jewish News Syndicate. He said that World War III has already begun. And if you think about it, it could really, really be true. Uh, when you think of World War III, he said the conflict we now unfortunately find ourselves in it's more complex and confusing than World War II because it's, it's not going away. It's been happening for, what, 40-plus years now. And they're wanting nuclear weapons. He said a good example is America's principal enemy, Iran, supported by Russia and China, and he said the European Union even, which declared war on America 40 years ago and continuously preaches genocide against the United States. I mean, death to America and Israel, death to Israel. We're, we are big Satan, according to Iran, Israel's little Satan. And they say that numerous U.S. federal courts have ruled that Iran's leaders provided material support to al-Qaeda for the purpose of carrying out 911 attacks. And they, they have imposed judgments on tens of billions of dollars on them and ordered U.S.-based properties owned by the Islamic Republic, to be seized and auctioned off to pay off those and other judgments. So it gets very deep here, okay? As the aggressor, Iran relatively successfully uses, again, I've, I mentioned this before, but they use all six forms of modern warfare, obviously physical, i.e. the ship that they just bombed, or I say supposedly just bombed, that was a um, Israel-controlled ship. Cultural, economical, legal warfare, demographic, and cyber warfare. And it has created three worldwide terror arms specializing in physical terrorism, narco-cultural terrorism, with an estimated close to half a million terrorist operatives in over 30 countries. And their, their one goal is to implement Sharia law globally. That's Iran, Iran's goal, number one, take over the world, convert everyone to Islam, particularly its Shiite version. So imagine if they had nuclear weapons now. I mean, now they're drones and some bombs and things, but I mean, imagine weapons of mass destruction. Put that in, the, consider that in the hands of the number one state sponsor of terrorism on the world that wants to convert everyone to Islam, particularly its Shiite version, which is horrible, using all forms of warfare. America's goal, in contrast, is to live in peace, prosperity, while encouraging all the democracies, about 50% of the global population, and the dictatorships, the other 50%, to join in, the, in a worldwide economic growth. Now, not every nation in the world is on board with that. I understand. But you've got to understand the dynamic here between Israel, the United States, and Iran. Iran's got one goal. They don't care about anybody else. And there's no, there's no compatibility between the, the United States and Iran's national objectives. I mean, either one can prevail but not both. Well, and therefore, 
Abramowitz said that we find ourselves in a, in a World War III scenario, even though we don't want to be, don't think that we are, and don't even want to consider the possibility that, w- that we might be. He says, look, we've got to face the facts that we're there. Now, the Jewish News Syndicate actually stated, now this article comes from last couple days. Jewish News Syndicate, very reliable news source. They say that Iran's nuclear program is a central pillar of its Shiite revival vision. Remember, they've got a goal. Convert everyone on the earth to Islam. And they're very horrible. Uh, Just um, imagine, you know, the way they treat women, the way they treat their people, the way they, it's just the way they treat Christians. Just they want to have that Shiite version globally. So becoming a nuclear armed state is the central aspect of Iran's Shiite revival program. They want to have a nuclear weapon so they can implement Sharia law or yeah, the Shiite version around the world. And the Iranian regime believes that developments are moving in line with this vision and Israeli excerpt on the Islamic Republic has just reported. So Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel Michael Segal, he's retired. He's a senior analyst at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. He told the Jewish News Syndicate that it's important for our policymakers to understand the mindset of the Iranian regime. They believe in the Shiite revival. It's important to grasp this, the um, importance that they attach to that goal and then understand why they're working feverishly to get nuclear weapons. Events throughout the region. Now, remember the prophecy, okay? I'm looking at this through the eyes of Bible prophecy. In The Bible says, Loose the four angels bound in the great river Euphrates to kill a third of mankind. So where am I watching? Yes, I watch China and Taiwan and what's going on in the, uh, the South Pacific and, uh, you know, all these different scenarios. But from what the prophecy says, I am focused daily on what's going on with Iran, Israel, and the United States. And the the Jewish News Syndicate actually says that the events throughout the region, such as the departure of the United States from Iraq, uh, with with the Biden administration, and overall progress in Tehran's nuclear program, have acted as a confirmation for the clerics and the elite military Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. They think everything's working in their favor. I mean that these different elements where they're having some successes, that meta-historical trends are going in their way. They believe that there's divine intervention, folks, that somehow or another the being that they worship is helping them succeed. And that's why they're working feverishly to get a nuclear weapon because they want to be able to threaten people and say, convert or else. And we need to understand these dynamics. Why? Because the sixth trumpet war is one of the next events. Does the book of Revelation frighten you? Do its symbols confuse you? For centuries, the book of Revelation has been misunderstood and misinterpreted. In Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, volume one, Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. This 10-part definitive DVD series and 268-page comprehensive commentary book covers the first 12 chapters of the book of Revelation. 
featuring on-location photography, classic artwork, and symbolic illustrations, you'll walk away with complete understanding and peace about the events happening during the final years on Earth. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding as you dig into the original intent of the book, answering the mysterious prophecies and symbols of the book of Revelation. Don't miss this special offer. Call now, 1-800-END-TIME, or go to endtime.com to order. Call or go online now to get this comprehensive Bible study. Move Mountains with Irvin Baxter. This book by Irvin's grandson provides 30 days of devotion that will enhance your relationship with God and others. Authentic illustrations from early morning devotions at End Time will help you find your purpose and eliminate fears. Commit to taking this 30-day journey and experience real life change. Get your book for only $14.99. Call 1-800-363-8463 or go to endtime.com move. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. So let me get just a little bit deeper into this and then we'll talk about some preparation. Retired Lieutenant Colonel Seagal. He actually said that as Westerners, we ignore the mindset of these Iranians and that they feel that they have divine intervention helping them. Okay, And from their point of view, Hamas could manage a war against Israel. Hezbollah could, is growing militarily stronger. The Bashar um, Assad regime remained in place despite the Syrian civil war. So they see this as Iranian successes and that somehow or another their spirit being that they worship is helping them succeed. Um, Saddam Hussein, Iran's arch enemy, was removed from power and killed. And they feel that something big is enabling them. Okay, So they're not going to stop. And as a result, Iran is becoming bolder and um, the, the nuclear program is the anchor that would allow Iran to position itself in the role that it has defined for itself. Becoming a, a nuclear state would influence all of Iran's tentacles in the region. Imagine if you, if Israel was now facing a nuclear threat from somebody else. Okay. Now you, now you know why Iran, uh, Israel has went in and bombed some of their nuclear aspirations over the years and said, I don't care what happens, we're never going to allow them to have a nuclear weapon. So examples of stepped-up Iranian self-confidence could be found throughout the Middle East. They just bombed a ship the other day. I mean, so uh, this lieutenant colonel, this retired lieutenant colonel Seagal, he said that he pointed to the, the Houthis in Yemen. They're armed with cruise missiles, GPS-guided bomb boats and drones and hitting oil refineries in Saudi Arabia and on a regular basis and to the activities of um, Iran in Syria, which are which continue despite a reported determined Israel campaign of preventative strikes. The Iranians feel that they are succeeding. And the Islamic Republic would like to extend this nuclear umbrella 
over its region-wide activities and those of its proxies. Um, And he added that Tehran has an organized strategy, unlike the West on how to proceed. They're going for the nuclear weapon. I mean, Iran's bottom line is that it wants to become nuclear-armed state or a, a nuclear breakout state. And to that end, the way Iran managed negotiations with world powers back in uh, leading up to the 2015 nuclear deal was part of this highly organized push to eventually reach that objective one way or the other. Now, that's what's going on in the Middle East, and that's why I watch what's going on with Israel, the United States, and Iran, and and some of the different uh, nations that... Israel has signed normalization agreements with under the Abraham Accords. They're wanting to make sure that they have protection against Iran and its nuclear aspirations. So I could go a lot deeper into the Middle East and talk about different scenarios and all these things. But really, Iran is the number one thing. Nuclear aspirations. Why a President Joe Biden would want to enter us back into a nuclear deal with them that would allow them to eventually get a nuclear weapon is beyond me. Any conservative talk show host that you listen to, any one of them, will say that that is just crazy. Why would you do that understanding what I just told you? And yet it seems like they're just bound and determined to do that. So, with that said, what do we do? Because we know the war's coming. And I don't want to be a fear monger. I'm just here to tell you, prophetically speaking, it's coming. And to know that, hey, there's ways you can prepare spiritually, physically, and, you know, number one, Let's talk about spiritual preparation, okay? The beginning of spiritual preparation for eternity. Now, obviously, if you're listening to me, we've got people all over the world that listen, okay? I know I've had contacts from people all over the world just over the last few weeks and months. I know people all over the world listen and watch. So I want to make sure that number one, number one, right out of the gate, The beginning of spiritual preparation for eternity is to be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, a man man cannot see or enter the kingdom of God without being born again. Number one, none of us are really promised tomorrow morning. Let's face it. I know that firsthand and none of us are promised tomorrow morning. Be born again today if you haven't been. However, looking at the times just ahead, if I've not made my calling and election sure, and I know that I'm in the church, I'm part of the body of Christ, and that if if the trumpet was to sound tomorrow, let's say, I don't think it will. (laughs) I think I could prove that. But if I was called home tomorrow, let's say, car accident, whatever, I know where I'm going to end up. If you don't know that, you need to get that thing settled today. And get with end time. Uh, email me, drobbins at endtime.com. Whatever we got to do, Doug Norvell, dnorvell at endtime.com. Go to endtime.com, down at the bottom. Um, 
And what do you mean born again? Get that done. I mean, Jesus answered and said unto Nicodemus back in John uh, 3, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Nicodemus, except a man's born again, he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, well, well, I don't understand that. How how can a man be born again when he's old? He's got to enter a second time into his mother's womb, which is impossible. I don't even know why he asked this question and be born again. Jesus said, no. I mean, he, he didn't really understand, but that's impossible. I mean, come on. Jesus answered and said, no. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Nicodemus, except a man is born of the water and the spirit. He was talking about a, 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 a spiritual new birth. You can't enter or see the kingdom of God, Nicodemus. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. But Nicodemus, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. That's what John three through uh, John chapter three, verse three through seven. Marvel not that I say to you, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now, yes, we know that there are apocalyptic events prophesied for the end time. Instances where one's life could be taken. You say, I don't want to talk about that. I understand. I really don't want to talk about it either. But we got to be honest here. But we also know the Lord could call any one of us home at any time. The rapture, I believe, is at the very least seven years away. We believe the rapture happens at the end of the Great Tribulation, not before. So, but there are times, there's a six trumpet war. There's a Great Tribulation. There is, you know, there'll be some apocalyptic things that happen between now and then. None of us are promised tomorrow. So why would an individual wait? Talking about spiritual preparation. Why would you wait and say, well, you know, I got some more wild oats that I want to sow. Listen, you say, well, Dave, you're trying to scare us. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm telling you that I love you. I want every person to go to heaven. And I've gotten the phone calls, I'm telling you, where people have said, so-and-so passed away. This happened, that happened, uh, a car accident, uh, you know. And what message did I give that individual before that happened, okay? As a minister of the gospel... I've had it happen many times, folks. I mean, this is the life we're living in. Death is a part of this life. And so you got to make sure. I've got my call and election sure. It's okay to have money in the bank. It's okay to have the house, the car, the boat, blah, blah, blah. Get all that. That's fun and cool. And, you know, that's, that's part of life. But number one on your list, be born again. When Nicodemus came to Jesus, the first words out of Jesus' mouth, Nicodemus, you got to be born again, period. There was no small talk. They didn't say, hey, let's talk about, uh, you know, what's the political situation in Jerusalem? No. Jesus said, Nicodemus, you got to be born again. You're a religious ruler. You need to know this stuff. You got to be born again. You can't enter the kingdom of God. Jesus was right up front. And so knowing that, why wait? The Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 6.2. And I've got some other things I want to cover here. We've got a, a brochure. What do you mean born again? A conclusive explanation on the biblical plan of salvation. What do you mean born again? You call here, 1-800-363-8463. Ask for the free brochure. What do you mean born again? Go to endtime.com. 
slash reborn and it'll pop up for you. You don't even have to look for it. It's free. Go to end, go to the uh, endtime.com slash reborn and it will populate and you can read it. Don't wait. Be born again today. So I don't have a church that will uh, help me. I can myself, Doug Norvell, uh, our, our ministry team here, we find people churches on a daily basis. Good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching churches. Don't let that be an excuse. In all the years I've been doing this, there has only been a handful of people that we could not find in the church within a 25-mile radius of their house. Now, if they live out in the middle of nowhere, Montana somewhere, yeah, we've had an issue. I've had some people where a church was 125 miles away. But I'm telling you what, to be born again, it would be worth the drive. So, pre- preparation, be born again, number one. Number two, for the time just ahead, there's ominous prophecies, there's the six trumpet war, there's some other things that are going to happen. You say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to hide, you know, dig a hole and bury myself in it. Can't do that, because we've got a commission. We're supposed to be preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom of God throughout this entire world. So you've got a job to do if you're a Christian, so you can't just go bury yourself uh, in a hole. Doesn't work like that. The apostles, they did everything they did under the reign of a world government. Rome ruled the world. We're going to do everything we do. And there's going to be people coming against us. That's part of it. Am I scared? No. Not. I don't live in fear. I'm trusting in Jesus Christ. He's never failed me. Never. Not one time. So I'm trusting in him. I've been born again. I've made my calling and election sure. I'm living as a Christian. I'm doing the best I can. Say, well, what do I do next? You need to have a daily prayer life. Through the times just ahead, you're going to need to be spirit-led. It is impossible to be spirit-led without having a daily prayer life. Now, you know, I'll just say it. Let's just, let me just be transparent and honest and lay it out. Lay my cards out there on the table. It's customary for Muslims to pray five times a day. And Jews to pray three times a day, okay? However, I've heard of more than one pastor who had to twist some people's arms to get some Christians to show up for a Tuesday night prayer meeting. You know, come one, come all. The church runs 500 and there might be 20 people that show up to prayer meeting. Okay, you need to rethink that. (laughs) Uh, Because... You better, you need to have a daily prayer life, folks. I mean, the Bible talks about a lot about daily, a daily relationship with the Lord. You know, and I I don't really, I'm not going to have, I'm coming up against a break. I'm not going to have time to share all the scriptures, but I'll, I'll share some with you when you get back. We'll talk about a daily relationship and some other things that you can do to prepare for the end time, this, this, this time that's coming which people are a little bit concerned about. We'll talk about it. Most of us walk around day by day blind to the prophecies being fulfilled right before us. Every news report brings a new piece to the puzzle in the race towards the final seven years and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, more than ever, it is important for God's people to understand the times in which we are living. On November the 12th, 2013, 
we opened our Jerusalem Prophecy College in downtown Jerusalem. These same courses are now available online for people who are unable to attend the classes in person. We welcome students to join us and discover the link between current events and the prophecies of the Bible. Take your place in the prophecy of Daniel 11.33. Enroll in the Jerusalem Prophecy College today. Go to JerusalemProphecyCollege.com. You remember, ladies and gentlemen, that Jesus taught a parable about fervent daily prayer. It's in Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. The Bible says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. And he said, There was a certain, um, in a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard men. Now, this is a parable. And now there was a widow in that city and she came to the judge and said, hey, get, get justice for me, uh, from my, for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. The judge kind of ignored her. But afterward, he said within himself, because she come knocking every day, every day, every day. He said, though, do I, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I'm going to avenge her. Lest by her continual coming... She's wearing me out. And then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cried out day and night to him, though he bears long with them. And I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So this is how Jesus wants us to pray. Jesus taught this parable. He wants us to pray on a daily basis. Come and knock. Lord, are you there? Listen to me. I love you and I worship you and I need some help. And, you know, in the end time, you're going to, you're also going to need to be a a spirit-led person. Praying often enough in the spirit that the Lord will begin to impress things on your mind and on your spirit. And this is how the Lord leads one by the spirit. Uh, Romans 8, 14, the Bible says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So over the next several years, it is essential for you to learn to be led by the Spirit. And it's impossible to be led by the Spirit as a Christian without a daily prayer life. Because you're not in tune with the voice. In the end time, we're all going to face circumstances that are finite mind simply cannot find a solution to. You just can't figure it out. Certainly anyone living as a Christian has experienced these, you know, different situations along the way. And there are times when our only option will be to rely upon Jesus to intervene. And this is one reason why a daily prayer life is so important. It allows God to lead and guide us by his spirit, which is of utmost importance now and throughout the times that lie just ahead. I mean, uh, what's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. Sometimes there's things you just don't understand. You can't figure out. You just got to trust the Lord. But the Bible says, in all thy ways, acknowledge the Lord, and he will direct thy paths. 
You say, well, I don't want the Lord running my life. I'm going to do it my own way. Hey, that's fine. You've got that choice. But that's not the best choice. The best choice is trust in the Lord and align yourself up to the word of God and let him lead and guide you. And I'm telling you what, if he's leading and guiding you, guess what? You're going to end up at the right destination. If he's not leading and guiding your life, it's going to be impossible to get to the right destination. You understand what I'm saying here? The Bible also says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor will he forsake you. That's um, Deuteronomy 31.6. So even when you don't feel the Lord, God is looking out for you. When you're serving him and you're a Christian, you're doing the best you can. You're trusting him. You've got your daily prayer life, studying the word of God. Lord, I want you to lead and guide me. He will do it. Uh, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. He said, well, everything in my life's going south. Well, if you're doing your best to serve the Lord, sometimes the Lord is going to take you through trials and tribulations to whittle some things on you. Maybe he needs to work on you a little bit. You got pride. You got, you know, bitterness, whatever. He's going to send you into a trial. He's trying to weed some stuff out of your life. Because when gold gets put in the fire, all the impurities come to the top. So sometimes you got to face a little fire because God wants to reveal an impurity in you that he's trying to take out. And those tri- the fire comes in a form of trials. And God's trying to help you. So when the impurity comes to the top, then you've got to make a decision. I'm going to get rid of that or now I want to hold on to that. If you hold on to it, guess what? That same trial or something similar is going to come right back around because you want to serve God, but you want to hold on to something. And God's going to say, okay, you want to serve me? Here comes the trial again. So if you want to get rid of your trials, straighten up. And I'm telling you what, regardless of what happens, your life will smooth out. So I I won't ever have a flat tire again. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your relationship with the Lord will just really smooth out and you can face things that come at you. Okay. Wow. I'm in a pulpit today. It seems like. So remember it was King David. Uh, He wrote, he said, I have been young and now I'm old yet. I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I mean, it, it, it's not going to be our intellect, our strength, our, our fortitude that guides us through the next years just ahead. It's going to be our reliance on the Spirit of God. The Bible says, Then he answered and spake unto me and said, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. This would be, uh, what, Zechariah chapter 4, verse, uh, uh, verse 6. Thus saith the Lord word unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by power, but it's by my Spirit, Zerubbabel, saith the Lord of hosts. In the end time, trust in the Lord. He has, get this, listen to me very closely. The Lord has never failed anyone. Never. You say, well, I I thought Christians had been martyred and I know this one Christian that went through this trial and things like that. Yeah, they're going to go through trials. The Bible says that, think about it. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. Go down to the end of that and see some of them who were martyred down through there. And, but they were Christians. They made it to heaven. But things that there have been times when the enemy came against them and they passed away. 
So you've got to get your mind wrapped around some of this stuff. And you understand that trials will even come against Christians because God's working on you. He's trying to perfect you. He's trying to get you in his image, but you got some things he's got to work out. And sometimes he'll, he'll allow you to go through a trial for somebody else's benefit. And we could, I could, we, I could talk about this the rest of the program and the rest of the week. Because sometimes you are go, some people are watching you and God knows it. So he wants to make sure that things are happening right in his body. And so sometimes people will go through trials so somebody else can watch you. We could talk about that, but I, I, I want to move on. Um, so spiritual preparation, daily prayer life, be born again. Make sure you're walking with the Lord. Align yourself up with the word of God in the end time. Bible says that God will be with you. All things are working together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. All things, not all but one, all things. Now, physical preparation. Man, I get this question all the time. What does the Bible say to do? Well, Matthew 6, 31 through 34, Bible says, Therefore, take no thought what you shall eat, drink or wear, for all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you have need of these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Number one, we're seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, they're going to be added to you. God's going to make sure that you're taken care of. Take therefore no thought what you shall for the morrow. The morrow will take thought for itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So you say, well, hey, cool. This means that during the end time, we can all quit our jobs, let the Lord pay for our bills and put the food on the table, right? Nope, that's not what that means. The second Thessalonians 310, the Bible says, for even when, um, when we were with you, this is what we commanded you, that if any man would not, would not work, he shouldn't eat. That's Bible, everybody. I, I want to say that again. The Bible says, if any man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. That's 2 Thessalonians 3.10, you understand? I know that's not politically correct, but that's the way Scripture rolls. You know, these Scriptures are for individuals who are um, really putting the Lord first in their life, number one. Working to expand His kingdom in the earth and serving the needs of others before their own. I mean, as always, you're going to need to do the best you can. You got you to work a job if you want to eat. However, if you'll focus on the building of the Lord's kingdom instead of your own, the Lord will provide for you in the time of need. I could talk about miracles, a lot of different things that have happened. But uh, I want, before the, in the time that I have left, I, let me just give you some suggestions on physical preparation. Uh, consider the, the food shortages and other shortages when the coronavirus hit back uh, last year in what, March of 2020. According to scripture, there's going to be more pandemics, earthquakes, wars, and tribulation. Imagine this six trumpet war, World War III kicking off. Imagine that. These things are going to happen. So it might not be a bad idea. Now, you don't have to go be a full-on prepper. It's not what I'm saying. But it might not be a bad idea to maybe store up some rations for a time of catastrophe. Imagine the stores in coronavirus. We came back from a conference in Plymouth, Michigan. I'll never forget it. Plymouth, Michigan. We came back 
and the, the weekend that the thing supposedly hit and when the stores just went, everybody went nuts. We went to, on the way home from the airport, we had been listening to things. Me and my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, were watching things on the internet. And, and I told my wife, Jana, I said, we probably ought to stop by the store. I kid you not. It was probably 11 o'clock at night. We went to Kroger's on the way home and it was a zoo in there. There were whole shelves wiped out. I mean, it was crazy. And that was at the outset of the COVID coronavirus situation back then. Imagine what will happen when World War III kicks off. You think the stores, I mean, I'm, not being, I'm just being honest. You think, what do you think is going to happen to the stores at that point? It probably wouldn't hurt for you to consider to maybe store up a few things, if you can, for something like that. So your family, just providing for your family. I'm not talking about going crazy, moving to Colorado and living in a cave. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about some food, some rations, some, something that you can make it until possibly they get the... Uh, the transit, the, the, the uh, semis and all these stuff back, you know, maybe a couple, two or three months. I don't know, three to six months, whatever. Something that you can help with your family in case something really bad happens. You say, well, I'm just going to trust in the Lord to uh, take care of me. The Lord will take care of you. But you still got to work a job now to, to eat, right? So during that time, you will have need to have prepared. Do the best you can so the Lord, so that you can... I, my job is going to be to do the best I can so I can preach and teach the gospel of the kingdom all the way to the end. There are some helpful resources online, um, you know, www.ready.gov. I think that's one of them. USA.gov, prepare for disasters. NSC.org, home safety, um, emergency preparedness, a lot of different things. So it doesn't mean pack up and head for the hills. We've got a great commission to fulfill to teach the gospel to the end of the world. That's not going to be possible if you're hiding in a cave, right? But you might think about some of these things, spiritual preparedness and maybe some physical preparedness just to take care of your family. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.